Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 63, the Punchboarders talk about some recent plays, head on over for a Kickstarter corner, reach into the mailbag, and draft games from a designer's first attempt. Hey, everybody, I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. Ooh, that, that last sentence got away from me a little bit there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I guess check at the, the end of the episode. I'll, I'll include that at the end of the episode. Uh, what? I never make mistakes. I don't know what anybody's talking about. <laughs> yeah, we've just been here for 20 minutes while you're doing the intro over. Hey, over hey, hey, hey. We can play the filler. <laughs> guys, I had... A great weekend. I just want to tell you, I had a great weekend. You know, it's hot. I mean, it's it is hot outside. I don't know what it's like in other parts of the country, but it is in the upper nineties and humid here. Right? Like it's. It actually reminds me of when the. Uh, uh, I don't know if you ever saw it, but the the weatherman gets on. It reminds me of Good Morning Vietnam, where where he gets on and goes. We've got the hot and pissy weather front coming from the north and more crappy weather up from the south. Yeah. <laughs> I and have no clue what you're talking you about. You never saw that? No. Oh, oh, I mean, gosh, I know what you're talking see. about. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, despite all this crappy weather, a friend of mine came from out of town. There's not a lot of traveling. Usually in the summer, you know, everybody's traveling, doing the vacation thing. He had to make a trip, so he came into town. I haven't seen him. Uh, we talk online every once in a while, but it was nice to get to see him. We got together. Um, we masked up and played some, played a few uh, games at Spielbound and had a great time. It was nice. And it was nice that Spielbound's open again. You know, there's social distancing. We, we had a little room and like I said, everybody masked up and, you know, there's not, uh, there's not food service there right now, but it was, it was really great and it's good to see them open. And, and it was nice, I think, because a lot of people, just like the game shop, a lot of people have been supporting them through all this stuff, you know, with some online sales I've been hearing about and stuff. So, and they continue to need more of that. So we're, you know, as long as we're being safe, using hand sanitizer, getting masks on when we, when we get together and stuff like that, it's been, it's been, uh, it's been good. It's been good to see some people. So what did you play while you were down there? Well, we played a couple of, uh, we played a couple of filler games. We played, uh, the crew and some other stuff, but really, Bryce from Out of the Dust podcast, he was there as well, and he taught us Imperial Spells and Steam from Level 99 Games and Trey Chambers. So Trey Chambers, you know, uh, he's worked for Level 99 or, or had a design out with him, a couple of them actually, before, and his big one is previously Argent the Consortium. But this is sort of like Railways of the World kind of thing meets their their Indines universe or Indians universe, however you want to put it, with the magic and everything. And uh, it's it's really interesting. Uh, it, it's sort of a race game in that the game ends. You're, you're basically pick up and deliver, and you're fulfilling orders, and you have magical railways, okay? And every railway has a special power that they have, and you are fulfilling deliveries all over this map to certain cities. These cities have point cards. So there's a three point card when you deliver four things to it that it wants. There's a two, a couple of twos and a couple, a few ones as well. The first person in our six player game, we played six player. The first person in our six player game to fulfill, I believe five of them ended the game right there. 
And so I think everybody got to finish a turn, if I remember right, or one more turn, something like that. But anyway, so it's kind of a race to do that. But you're also kind of trying to manage how you do that because you are putting a network out on the board because you can only deliver one kind of thing at a time to these cities. They're not taking multiple kinds. It's, again, based on their color, like a lot of those railway games. But the way that it works is everybody has their own massive player board, okay? And so then you have these train cars in a line down your player board, and those represent actions that you can take. And then you have an engineer at the, at the top of your train car, and you get to move that engineer each spot down your train car till you get to the end of the line. And when he gets to the end of the line, you can fulfill a delivery. So these train cars that you start out with printed on your board have different land hex spaces. So my first one, I believe, was like a water or a forest hex. That that meant I could get a train on there if my engineer was on there. Then I moved to a next one, and it's like... Uh, this kind of hex and then I move to another one and it's this and this hex or you know different kinds of of things like that in addition though I can take an action uh, sometimes some some other things would let me take this action where I could get more train cars to put under the train cars that I already have so if I would kick off a spot where I'm at or my engineer is at then not only could I do that top engine car or top train car, but I could spend those mana crystals that they like to use in their games to kick off extra train actions below it. And therefore, I'm trying to make my turns more and more effective, efficient. And in addition, I can get special powers to put out that are um, sometimes one-time uses and sometimes a permanent power as well. In addition to that, I could flip my engineer person over, the CEO or whatever that runs the company, to use their special ability as well. And then there were certain things that I'd have to spend to to do it, uh, to flip it back, okay? Also, I could spend more mana to skip my engineer ahead. So let's say I got the hexes that I wanted to fill in on, and I wanted to go to the end of the train car. It costs a lot of mana to do that, to fulfill that delivery, but you could do that. There were other rules that allowed magical portals and so you could use mana to skip over spaces, for instance, that you were being blocked by. Almost every, every spot had a resource on it. So the board is just chock full of resources, just all over the board. But then you're just trying to be efficient and get as many and drop them off as, as effectively as you could. I think the interesting thing about this game was just maximizing your powers and making your train the most interesting. It kind of feels like... A sexier, more interesting version of ground floor, like when you're, you know, souping up your building and it's doing all this stuff for you. And uh, so that was, to me, the most interesting part of the game. You also have end game conditions that you're going to score as well um, if you fulfill them. And there was some, there was a little bit of take that, not too much, but you could kind of mess with people like you, you. Uh, one person had a power where they could drop your resource off your tile, you know, if they got near you. Um, and, and those sorts of things. I had one where I could pull, my, my special CEO could pull resources from tiles that I wasn't even adjacent to, which was cool. And then just kind of set them on my path and try to change those in. It's a really, uh, I mean, it is a beautiful game. The production, like all level 99 games, is just amazing. The resources are bonkers and, and nice. And uh, we had a really good time with it. It was, it was fun. I, I don't know if it's one that I would pick up because of the price point and the way you know <laughs> that what what you're paying for but i i did definitely enjoy it i would i would definitely play it again 
I'm not sure if it'd be a clef game, but I think Richie, you would enjoy it. Well, and I was about to say, I've never like gone out of my way to buy a level 99 game, but outside of Millennium Blade, I've been happy with it, all my play experiences so far. Yeah, because you own a few of, of their games, right? Yeah, I have the Devastation of Endines and Argent, uh, obviously, and I think that's it for now, but um, I've played one of their other games, and I it was it was good. I've never had a, really a bad experience outside of the Millennium Blades, and really, I think that was just more of the theme. I've never done you know the whole collectible card game thing, so I, I just wasn't connected to it. Your friends, the Stuckies that play uh, board games with you, mm-hmm. do they ever play train games with you? No, they he likes... Fantasy. So, so yeah, I mean, level 99 the, games would probably be right up his this alley. This is what I'm telling you. you yeah. This is where you hook them right there with this one. I would I would definitely at least try to consider getting a play. Spielbound heard me talking about it and was like, oh, should we get that for the library? And I was like, yeah, because this is an easy way into some of those other games, I feel like. Yeah, I, I'll definitely check it out. How about you? What have you been playing? I've been getting in quite a bit of day gaming since I'm on sabbatical. Uh, our friend Josh has been coming over and we've been playing uh, a few different games where I finally got in a play of Forbidden Stars. Ah, I'm oh, jealous. Good. I wanted to get in on that. Currently out of print, unfortunately. But they are planning on, I, I think they were already supposed to run a Kickstarter for the Redux version. If you go onto the Forbidden Stars BGG page, the designer is talking quite a bit about there. He, he started up this huge post where he was asking for different ideas, different faction ideas and stuff like that for the Redux edition that they're planning on doing uh, through Kickstarter. I think COVID threw a little bit of a wrench on the timing, but they still are planning on getting that Kickstarter up by the end of the year, I believe. So definitely check that out uh, if you are interested in this game, because uh, currently it is out of print. But uh, I got this through a trade and with this game, and I was, you know, I, I've only played it at two players and I've enjoyed my two plays of it at two players so i'm really excited to to be able to try it at that three or four uh spot but in the game you are trying either over uh, by the end of eight rounds have the most objectives or you collect objectives equal to the number of players in the game so in a two-player game all you have to do is get your two objectives that are out on the board which your opponents have put out onto different planets and different star systems uh during the setup and setup is kind of part of the game because you will be drafting the tiles that will make up the board. Uh, and I, I actually love the art. And even though I have no connection to 40K, I've never played any of those games. And I don't know anything about the lore or anything like that. But I love the art of this game. The uh, system tiles, the planets look fantastic on the board. The minis are nice. Uh, but you start off by drafting the board and you're placing out the different objectives. So you're trying to put those in a spot. And they're just little tokens that you're trying to get control of by the end of a round. And you're trying to put those in spots where it's hard for your opponent to get to them. Uh, then the game is just played over, like I said, eight rounds possibly, or it could end if someone gets their objectives. And each round is broken into three phases. There's the planning phase, which during that phase you have these uh, action tokens. There's four different actions in the game and you have eight tokens. Each of those actions are represented twice on all those tokens. So Max, you can take an action twice in a round. And during that planning phase, you are taking turns going around clockwise placing those actions out in the different star systems and you're doing it face down in secret. And this is one of the cool parts of this game is that once you place out a token, someone can place it on top of yours. And at the when we get to the operations phase, which is the next phase in the main action phase, the 
tokens are resolved from top down. So even if you place your token out there first, that will be the, you know, if it's in a stack, that's going to be the last thing out there. So you're kind of doing things in reverse order. So you have to really plan for that. And also uh, the really cool thing is that okay, once it's covered up, you can no longer look at it. Even if it's your token, you can't go and look at it. it, it one, you got to keep track of everything that you're trying to do. Uh, and then you also don't want to get in a position. And this happened to Josh a couple of times where, because once you get, go into the operations phase, the star player will start and they'll look out on the board. If any of their tokens are visible, then they have to resolve one of their tokens. But obviously, if you've made a plan and you have a token in one star system that's going to let you recruit in you know, new uh, units and you need those units to do another action out there, but if that token is covered up, you can't take that until the other player has revealed your token. Uh, there were a couple times when I got to Josh and none of his tokens were visible. So then I get to go again. So basically it skips his turn and goes back to me. Now, obviously, once I start revealing his tokens, he's going to get more turns in a row. But by that point, you know, the damage could have been done and some of his units may have been removed, different things like that. There's a lot going on in the game, but I would say for the most part, it's pretty easy to as far as the main actions of the game. You have some that will let you get in new units. There's some that will let you like upgrade your battle cards. But the the kind of the meat of the game where you'll be spending most of it is in that battle phase when you take one of the advanced orders, which is essentially initiate a, a battle in a star system. And when I was researching the game and learning the game and getting ready to teach Josh, that was the one thing that people kept saying, you know, this is really the, the hardest part of the game to, to grok. Now, luckily, we played Pendragon and that battle system is ridiculous so this was honestly a cakewalk <laughs> compared compared to pendragon i think everything will be a cakewalk right compared yes. to pendragon. <laughs> uh, but with the battles and what i like about it is you are trying to either eliminate the other side or by the end of the third round of battle have the most morale and it, it is hard to actually eliminate another side so you have these 10 battle cards that at the beginning of the battle you're going to shuffle up you're going to draw five of them and then both you and your opponent are going to pick a card simultaneously, set them down, and then the attacker reveals their card, resolves it, and then the defender will re reveal their card and resolve it. There's a general text box, which is in green, that you will always do. And then there is a special units box, so that if that unit is represented in this battle, you get a, a different bonus. And all the factions are different. Uh, they're asymmetrical, so they, they all have different ways of playing, different powers. But... It is, like I said, it's hard to just completely knock out, unless they just have like one unit there by itself, not protected at all. It's hard to knock out people. So you really have to, when you go into battle, you really got to plan for that, having the uh, morale at the end of a battle. And there are dice involved, but honestly, you roll the dice once at the beginning of combat. And then after that, you're spending those dice to trigger things that you have on your cards. Outside of battle, like I said, you want to be upgrading those cards. So you're getting better cards once you get into that combat and you can do more things and hopefully get rid of uh, the other side so you can just win outright. Or there are a lot of cards and it depends on the fashion, like I said. That will just give you that that morale that you're going to need to actually win and then force whoever lost off of that planet and they have to retreat. It, it was great. I, I really enjoyed it, like I said, even at two. And so I'm, I'm really excited to see what, you know, a three and a four player game will bring. How long was it at two? I mean, I'm sure um, it meandered with the teach and stuff. but Yeah, actually, our first game was probably about two and a half hours. And honestly, a half hour of that was for... Our first battle, because of course Josh did something weird that then I had to look up. <laughs> I had to go onto the BGG forums and look up a bunch of different things. But outside of that, and then our second game, it was just uh, about an hour and a half flat. 
it it really picks up. The like I said, the battles for your first battle, there may be a couple things that come up uh, that you will have to look at, and there is an, an extensive FAQ that you can go through on BGG. But honestly, it, it is it runs pretty quickly once you once you know it. Cool. I'm I'm all game. Yeah, I've I've been wanting to try that one for a while. I know uh, Edward at Heavy Cardboard has spoken of highly of that one, and I don't know why I want to play it. I don't like you said. I don't have anything with the. Well, you like Ti Four, so I like it gives you like well, a okay. Used to like it. You really don't like that you game like anymore. It? What happened? Continue. I don't okay. know. It, okay. It's not like, like it's like it's jumping off my shelf anymore. That's what I'm saying. So. Okay. All right. All right. Well, I, this is this is news to me. Um, so yeah, I don't know why you want to play it either. <laughs> he wants to be he wants to be Saxons instead of aliens. I mean, that's really where it's at, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure there. So, I, <laughs> you know. but for some reason, the game just something about it has drawn me into saying okay. I want to try to play it. I think you will like the the battle or the the combat resolution. That is extremely interesting and fun to play out. Okay. So that is Forbidden Stars, Clef. What have you been playing? Well, I've been playing it, well, as my wife would put it, a lot of penny games. I keep having to correct her to coin games, but she keeps <laughs> calling them penny games. And in fact, when when I told this to uh, Brent, who we were, we were going to play with the other night, and I said, yeah, my wife keeps calling them penny games. He's like, well, I don't know, pen dragon, that's at least a nickel game. <laughs> I was like, well, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. It's five on the complexity. Uh, yeah. She uh, might, I mean, maybe she. it's just a subtle dig. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I, I honestly think she just, that's what she remembers and so now i think it's more of a funny thing that she calls yeah. them a penny game but honestly that is what is hot in the my play group right now so besides our you know what we're working on for the podcast i just haven't been playing anything but coin games right now um so i started off obviously with with cuba libre which we talked about and then moved into gandhi and like last episode i talked about uh liberty or death and now finally we've gotten in what feels like about 20 hours worth of Pendragon, which I think now I've completed one game. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. um, wow. Uh, well, for those who don't, coin game, basically it's the same type of system where it's a deck of cards, and every time a card comes up, it has four different factions, and it's always played. You always play at least all four factions, whether you play four players or less. All four factions are always going to be in the game. And when a faction comes up, they can take an action, and then the actions are different actions that they can do. They can do an event, or they can do a, an action with a special action, or just a limited action. And then that dictates what the next person can do of what type of action they get to do. So there's a lot of great cat and mouse in the game but each coin game has some differences on what the actions are or what the uh, the, the main part of the game and pendragon is uh well the, the theme is the britons uh, excuse me the romans the in in britain and at the time they had complete control and so there were the the ducks or at least that's what i called them the dux and then there was the civitates or the Civitates, uh, once again, not sure. People can yell at me about my pronunciation. Hey, it's, <laughs> it's better than some of the other things I say. So um, we're basically, so you had the military of, of the Romans and you had the um, you had the civil government of the Romans there in kind of in control. And at the time then, the there were barbarian tribes that were basically coming in and trying to attack them. And there were the Saxons. And then we're, we're kind of more like the Germanic uh, tribes. And then you had the Scotties, which is kind of the Scotty barbarians. 
And so the the theme of this game is that those two are kind of coming in and trying to raid and trying to, you know, destroy resources and stuff. And obviously the uh, the civitates and the ducks are trying to maintain control. But the most unique thing about this particular game is there is also in what's kind of called an Imperium track, which where you keep how who is kind of in control of the the of the um, of Britain, whether or not it is in uh, civilian control or whether it's in military control. And then there's some different things that go along with that. But you can also, as the game goes along, as more of your stuff gets destroyed by the Saxons and the and the Scotties, well, sh- should be at least, you then start to move down, and eventually you can go into what's called fragmentation, which basically means every man for himself, and that's all. Honestly, where kind of the ducks and the civitates stop being um, partners in the game, and now they're out to just try to to win the game themselves. And what's even more unique about that than any other coin game is. Your winning condition depends on where you're at on that track. So, for instance, like the the Civitate's winning condition might be you need to be at 30 and have this much control, blah, blah, blah. But as you move down, now it's like, oh, now you only have to have 20 and this much control. Or you might only have to have 15 in this and, and not even have control of certain things. So it's very interesting as the game goes on about exactly how you win it fascinating game very very interesting the one thing that i will say about it that i'm still not a little i mean it is long but that's going to be typical of any type of game like that you play for the first you know few times but there is more dice rolling in this game that i'm that i'm i'm not sure i'm as comfortable with that as the other coin games there's not quite as much rolling of dice this and i didn't even play in fact the game that richie and i played we both played the the romans but the saxons and the scotties literally on their turns every time they're rolling dice all the time and it was a very interesting in fact one of the players brent when one of the games, he he almost just wanted to quit because it was like he'd roll the dice and he would get nothing, and it was just a complete waste of a turn. And it, I don't know. It was, you know, for a Euro gamer in me, you know, it was a little tough with all the dice rolling. I don't know how you felt about it there, Richie. Whenever I get taught a new coin game, essentially I just get handed the sheet and said, you know, you know, coin system, figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I spent probably the first four or five, five hours just really trying to get comfortable with my faction. So I, I don't even know if I really noticed the dice rolling for a while. <laughs> Who were you? Were you a duck? Yes, I was a duck. I was the Mighty Ducks. And, <laughs> awesome. and, and we forced it into fragmentation pretty quickly, which I think faster than we probably wanted now that we have finished the game. Yeah, well, probably faster than we should th- have. There was but. that point when I kept telling you, hey, stop messing with me and <laughs> go mess with them. But, and of course, then Richie does exactly what I told him <laughs> not to do. He messes with me. <laughs> um, but I mean, overall, I mean, through the span of the game, and it is a long game, I would say that the dice rolling worked out as far as... E- evens it, out. In the yeah, long it didn't really hurt anybody. Yeah, I would say I, I wasn't that bothered by it in this game because there, there's a lot of things that you don't have to depend on the dice. Well, well at least we our factions did right. not have to depend on dice rolls. That's what I was about to say. We didn't have to depend on dice rolls. And, you know, so this is more coming from, you know, the other two players who played the, the Saxons and the Scotties. I'm very interested in trying one of the, one of the two barbarian ones to, to see because I'm curious. It was enjoyable. I'm looking forward to playing it again. 
I would say at this moment, and this is from very, very limited plays, I think I've now played Liberty or Death like four times, and I've played, uh, you know, Pendragon, well, truly just once, but, you know, I've played it quite a bit of times just kind of prepping up, um, and Gandhi a few times, only Kubler right once, but Liberty or Death right now, at least, I would say is still on the top of my list. I still, part of it is the theme of Liberty or Death because, you know, being with the Revolutionary War and just the whole thing about it is is really cool. But uh, yeah, next on the docket is uh, Fallen Sky. Good old uh, Caesar. So uh, I guess uh, maybe next time I'll talk about that. I'm just going to be a broken record here with coin games. No one else wants to play anything else. I got to get in with you and Josh, Richie, I guess, play something else. (laughs) Come through during the day. I work. I'm not on well, sabbatical for a month. Hey, well, when this episode comes out, that will be my last week, I believe. So oh, I know, it's coming to an end. Yeah, wow, that went quick, it feels like. I know. It's <laughs> probably way too. Oh, yeah, because you started at like beginning of August, didn't you? And yeah. Yep. Yeah. Wow. Yep. September 7th. I'm back to work. Ugh. Ugh. Bummer. Okay. Well, that's it for what we've been playing. So now it's time for a little Kickstarter Corner. <laughs> This is my Kickstarter hat. You guys like my Kickstarter hat? Like, wow. Yeah, that's impressive. Nice. I didn't know you'd get that in. <laughs> yeah. It goes underneath the door and everything. Yeah. Wow. Well, while we are, while I have my festive Kickstarter hat on, I want to talk about, you know how much I love Lacerda games, right? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, there is a new one coming out on Kickstarter right after this episode drops, Whoa. September 3rd. And it is his Thinky Filler game. So he and Eagle Griffin are... Filler? Yeah. I believe the price point on this one is $35, but I got on with with our our favorite Joes and another good friend and uh, played on Tabletopia last night, Mercado de Lisboa. And if Mm. you think that that sounds similar to another one of Vital Lacerda games, you'd be right. Uh, if you are familiar... Since it has the word Lisboa in it, yeah, yeah. probably, yeah. Well, I, okay. I, I was just trying to help you, you out You were just making sure that yeah. I... Okay, for the, got for it. The, got for it. the cheap seats, buddy. <laughs> okay. All right, so in Mercado de Lisboa, you are... And by the way, I should say, I think it's probably his least thematic game, but it's, you know, it's a thinky filler. It's a 30-minute game. You are uh, doing mechanisms that are much like the city building mechanism in Lisboa, if you're familiar with that. You start out the game with a dollar and three stall tiles. And you have little houses that you put on these stall tiles to show that they're yours. Well, there is a grid of a marketplace, a five by five grid or 25 spaces out there. And you are going to be doing one of four actions, essentially. You're going to take one of your stalls with a house out and you can place it out on the the board there. Now, most of these spaces will be empty, but there can be upside down restaurant tiles there that are circular. Those tiles can be uh, pizza, they can be a winery, they can be a burger joint, those kinds of things. If you place it over one of those circular tiles, you get to take that restaurant tile and take it back with you and flip it front side up. Meanwhile, these tiles that you'll be putting down are things like tomatoes, a chicken a drumstick, grapes. So they have affiliation to these restaurant tiles, right? So the grapes go with the winery. For one, for whatever reason, the, the drumstick goes with the hamburger. I'm not sure of that thing. but And then the tomato goes with the pizza, things like that. There's also going to be a brew pub one 
which is a wild. So I played this at four players, and I think we had a couple of brew pubs. But anyway, your actions, one thing you can do is place out that tile. Uh, that's a stall that I talked about. You can also place out a restaurant. So if I still had that restaurant, um, I can place that out face side up. And I want to place that next to optimally next to one of mine, orthogonally adjacent to next to one of my stalls that it would have affiliation with. So if I'm placing the pizza token, I want it orthogonally adjacent to my tomato stalls. Okay. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So then the other thing that I can do, and it's highly inefficient, but you don't want to, uh, is, and sometimes you may, if you made poor decisions, is to take a dollar. Now, the reason that you might need to take a dollar, though, is because when you place your stalls that I talked about, you have to pay for how many stalls are in the row or the column that you're already placing in. And you count your own. So if there are already two stalls in a row that I'm placing in, I'm going to pay $3. If there are two in, in the row and one in the column, I'm still going to pay $3 because I pay the highest the highest price of those two options. The last thing you can do is place out a customer tile on the edges of the grid. And this customer tile is just like the public shops or stores in Lisboa with the city building mechanism. And there are one, two, three, and four customer tiles. And basically, you can place these customer tiles around in places where you have at least one, sh one stall and your ability to pick these tiles depends on how many uh, stalls are in the row. So I couldn't take a two customer uh, tile and put that where I just have one stall across the row or, or in total, there's just one stall across the row. No, there has to be at least two stalls there of anybody's. One of them has to be mine for me to place a two customer tile. Okay. And then those tiles all have, I think usually two things on them. So they'll have the a tomato and a drumstick, or they'll have a grape and um, uh, a sushi, or a grape and a fish, because fish is one as well that I didn't talk about. But anyway, you are then going to be able to score if you have a stall of that kind that is on the customer tile immediately. And what you will do is every stall that you have that would fit that in, in the row or the column of the scoring tile, will be added up plus any adjacent restaurant tiles that are affiliated with it. So you'll add all those together and take it times the amount of customers on that scoring tile. And that'll get you money. So that's the way you start to build up money for the game. Once there are, and I think, I'm not sure if this changes, but we played a four-player game. The, the game goes from one to four. Once there are either only four uh, stall spots left or four customer spots left, Everybody gets one more turn and the game is over. Everybody except the person who triggered it, basically. So uh, it plays really quickly and it's 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 really good. The scoring kind of reminds me in some ways of Azul, but there's a little bit more thinkiness involved because you have to pay for those spots. And those spots are also what you're paying for is also points in the end, too. So you're really trying to manage that economy there. It's not a ton to think about, but in 30 minutes, it's a really fun game. I had a great time with it. Well, that's it's interesting that there's he's doing a filler game. I mean, that's not usually his his big cup of tea. But. Right. I, I think it just came out of, you know, how much fun people have with the mechanism in Lisboa, and he just kind of tweaked it a little bit. And, you know, I can see, I can see why he did it. I, I think that this is a, 
a little fun beginning or end of night game that you can kind of fit in. And again, for those people that like Azul is really light for you, you know, you could you could put this on the table and there's a little bit more to think about and a little bit more cat and mouse play there. So hmm. the only downside of it is it looks like Ian, Ian O'Toole didn't have anything to do with the art. Oh my goodness. What is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, it sounds like you'll buy that one and, uh, yeah, and Richie and I will get to I play mean, it. At so. that price point, I mean, 35 bucks nowadays. I right. Mean, Clef really considers that a free game. I know. When he, oh. <laughs> when he, see, uh, when well, he sees that price tag. Yeah, I, uh, I backed uh, Arkwright the card game. <laughs> It was twenty nine bucks. No, I know. Even though we well, talked about it, and you said that you yeah, weren't going to do no, it, but I'm then not, you saw the price, and I probably won't even play it. But <laughs> it's twenty nine bucks. I mean, <laughs> free game. Uh, all right, excellent. Well, thank you, Chad. So, uh, I think we need to do a little mailbag time. What do you guys say? Yeah, let's get the mailbag out. How many times have you spent more time getting your board game set up than playing it? Well, if you have, then you need an insert from 3D Bitspace. They make great ones from Marco Polo to Grand Austria Hotel. You can even contact the owner, Ryan, about a custom insert. So head on over to Etsy.com and search 3D Bitspace. And when you order, also send Ryan an email and mention Punchboard Paradise and receive a free hex tray. Get to playing games and not setting them up. All right, so we got an email from Mark Hain, and he's newer to board games, and he comes from more of a video game background, and he was just curious if there are any board games that uh, we could recommend that could, you know, kind of bridge that gap between video games and board games. And he kind of gave a couple uh, examples uh, as far as like IP-wise. There's the Resident Evil 2 game, and then also like the Boulder's Gate game as well. Uh, Clef, what do you think? Any... Are you much of a video gamer? Uh, I am not. Um, I never, I mean, back when I was younger, you know, I used to play a little, uh, little, uh, double dribble on the ooh, Nintendo. Ooh, I love double yeah. dribble. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely got into board gaming at some point and haven't really, I, I don't do a lot of video gaming. Uh, well, I play Hearthstone on online. I don't know if that counts, but it's, you know, um, so no, I'm not. I'm not a big knowledgeable person in this, so I'm hoping you guys can answer his question here uh, and give him some good advice about what would be some good ones. I, when I got into board games, I sold all my video game stuff, but then when I busted my leg, I got a PS4 <laughs> since I was going to be sitting around and kind of got back into video games. So, uh, I mean, for me, what I would recommend, I, mean, I think Max versus Minions would be kind of a good bridge. Uh, it's expensive, and I'm not even sure if it's still in print. It might be. Who knows? It's Ooh. not expensive for what you're getting, but... It's a little bit pricier, but it does have that that video game connection, and it's cooperative. So, especially if you're dealing with you know newer gamers, cooperative is always a little bit easier to sure, kind of get them sure. through the door. Yeah, that's a good call. A mechs versus minions is allied with what what video game that's really popular? Uh, League of Legends. League of Legends. That's right. And it's a it's a programming game, but it's got some fun cooperative elements mm-hmm. to it. So, yeah, that's a good pick. What about you, Chad? Um, well, first of all. I, Maybe this is a, a a wrong thing to do, but what I like to do sometimes is get them involved in, if they have a system that they like to play, get them involved in board games that are on that system, possibly. So, for example, the Switch has a bunch of games now uh, that you can play. Uh, I think Wingspan is on there. Raiders of the North Sea is on there. So stuff like that that they can get into. Uh, another one on the Switch, actually, would be Slay the Spire, which is kind of a... 
uh, a deck building game that is a video game. And so then you kind of introduce deck building to them and then you can show them some other deck building games. But as far as board game implementations, I will say two companies, because I think he even asked about companies in the email, two companies that do this really well are CGE, Check Games Edition, because they have a couple designers that really like to uh, design games that feel like video games. Philip, Philippe Neduc, and I'm sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Philippe, but uh, he did Adrenaline, which is a first-person shooter game that my son really, really enjoys, but it's secretly just about resource management and area control, except that the people, uh, the, the, the shooters, are the area that you're trying to control. You're trying to frag a bunch of different people and get points for it, but you're also trying to manage your resources and trying to uh, make sure you have enough bullets or ammunition for your guns. So that's a really good one. And the same guy also developed a game called Sanctum, and that is sort of like, hmm, it's sort of like a Diablo game, which I only played the prototype version when I worked for CGE a few, a couple of years back. But it's it's very interesting. You're you're leveling up your guy, and so you're you're going with some adventures, and you're trying to fight these things and get the loot and level up your guys. You're grinding a little bit in order to fight the final boss, like you would in Diablo. And that's very much, it has, I mean, even the cover is very reminiscent of Diablo. It's exactly what they were going for. So that's hmm. that's another one that I would check out. Now, one thing, uh, just uh, Mark is, a, is an old friend of mine, so I've known him for a long time. And one of the things that we did used to play um, when we were younger are like the King's Quest video games. Have you guys ever played any of those or yeah. like Space Quest or... Once Upon a Time, uh, I definitely played those. Larry Suit Leisure. You leisure know, Suit you know, Larry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're more um, like a text-based adventure. Yeah, type of thing. Is there any good board games that would be good for that type of feel that you guys could think of? I mean, really, and here's another plug I'll just give out there for video game lovers. There is a new documentary on Netflix called High Score. And it is about video games, and it's super fun and nostalgic, and I would highly check it out. If you ever played video games, it's a great walk down memory lane. But one of the episodes is about text-based video games, exactly like you're talking about, and they talk about how it had its basis in D&D. And so they go back to some RPGs and stuff like that, so man... Any D and D, grab your, you know, grab those starters or those essential kits, and and play that. Or better yet, Legacy of Dragonhold is a fantastic, uh, fantastic way to get into those games without having too much rules overhead. You're basically with a group. It's sort of like sitting down and playing uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, consulting detective, and you're making choices based on these characters that you've already built. And that it's a very nice way to do light D&D. Also, the stories and characters are very inclusive. The romantic relationships are inclusive. It's, it's, it's really great from a, a bunch of different angles. I, I would highly recommend that in that case. One other company I might add is uh, Level 99 Games considers themselves to, you know, sort of ally that arcade-ish aspect. And so they have, one of the things I always think of is Pixel Tactics, which is very much, it's a card game that's very much based on that sort of Final Fantasy Tactics uh, system where you're, you've are you got fighters and you're 
you know, have rows and you're managing that from front to back and, and fighting things. And then Richie, I know you've had or, or played some of their, their fighting games that are kind of supposed to be, I don't know, built, built on fighter systems or street fighter or those kinds of things. Yeah. Uh, Devastation of Endines. It's, I won't lie to you, it's a little clunky, <laughs> especially if you're coming, you know, if you're fresh, new to the hobby, it, it would be tough to bring someone in, into that game, but it, it definitely gives you that, that street fighter, you know, one versus one feel. And it is a really cool system. And like I said, once you get past the rule book, um, so, I mean, this would definitely be a recommendation for, you know, a seasoned gamer who wants to pull someone in, you know, that, that I could definitely recommend that game for that. Well, Mark, thanks for that email. And if anyone else has any other emails, you can send them to punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can also throw them into our Slack channel. We, uh, Welcome Ooh. all questions there as well. What if you're not a Slack member? If you're not a Slack member, send an email to punchboardparadise at gmail.com and we will get you set up. If you haven't joined and you don't have a disdain for Slack, you totally should. We have on uh, just even our online games forum there where people are just meeting up to play games and hopping on. So definitely give that a shot if you haven't looked at it so far. We uh, we have a, a lot of nice interaction on there and it's a, it's a good community. Speaking of community... We have some new Patreon news, right? Yes, we do. We do have a new Patreon member. And Chad, I got this one, all right? Uh, are you sure? I got this one. <laughs> okay. Our new patron is John Rice. Hey, that was good. Nailed it. <laughs> I saw you practicing, buddy. I'm <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> well, thank you so much, John Rice. And if you do want to join our Patreon, we just, hey, we just gave away a free game the other day to one of our Patreon members. That's right. We sure did. Mr. Nathan Fort was Woo! a big winner. All right. He won a free copy of Scythe. Um, we also did a great Google Hangout with uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun. quite a few of our members and did a little drafting. Yeah, that was nice. A big, huge round draft of uh, our overrated games. That was fun. It was fun to get to chat with everybody and... Yeah, I think everybody enjoyed that one. Yeah, it was absolutely a blast. So, um, yeah, so if you would like to support us, uh, you know, we would obviously love your support. Um, you can head over to patreon.com and see all the wonderful things that you can do to support us. Right now, we're uh, still trying. We're, we're almost to getting our real close sound, to sound system. Yep. Yeah, soundboard that we need. Um, so we're real excited about that. And, uh, well, one thing that we do have is we have another new patrons uh top 10 right tom falbo upped his pledge and gave us his top 10 which Woo was nice all right thank you tom we're excited to discuss it here so coming in at number 10 is power grid this is i i respect this game i did not always love this game but now now i i, I appreciate it more and i respect it it is a solid game that does exactly what it is meant to do. It can get a little mathy, and if you're in the wrong group, it could maybe get a well, maybe you'd enjoy that, or maybe you wouldn't, but I still think it's a very, very solid game, and I love the you don't want to be too far out in front, but you also don't want to be too far behind because you can fall too far behind. But uh, the turn order thing and it is absolutely great. So great pick. I definitely want to play it again. It's one of those games I played early on. I played it one day at Spielbound on a busy day, and the teacher really didn't know what they were doing. So I definitely want to play it again to get a, a better feel for it. I think you'd really like it, actually, yeah. to tell you the truth, Richie. Yeah. Okay. Coming in at number nine is Caverna. Great All pick. All right. 
I am interested to play. I, I know it was somebody brought this up. It wasn't Cole. Cole was talking about Agricola being a mean variant, but somebody, maybe it was Chad C on our Slack that was bringing up have a just a, a random number of tiles, and then you are trying to grab you know those particular tiles, and and once they're gone, they're gone, sort of thing. So that you, there's a little bit more competition, a little more cutthroat in in some of the building. I want to I want to try Caverna that way. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that could be interesting. I, with the as far as the the whole tile display, I, I think the expansion for me fixes that just because it it will bring out new. Yeah. buildings every round or every night every round every game yeah. it will change yeah. that up i definitely when last time we played it with those powers i was yeah that was good. i liked it and i'd like to play it again yeah all right number eight is mm. underwater cities underwater nice pick water city i i i know that the other two are well, the other Richie's two are only had correct. one yeah. richie's only had one game of this so and that, it's a solo that was game enough. So was, I'm good. That was but, enough. Uh, I <laughs> think it's good. a great pick, especially with the expansion, which really changes it up and gets things moving. So mm. Underwater Cities is, is a good pick. In fact, mm. I actually like it a little bit more. Well, probably a lot more than your number five, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Mm. We might have to bleep out number five. Well, but. Tom, you know, you can't you can't pick all good ones. All right. So number seven is Pipeline. Ooh, great game. And this is one. Once again, we need to get back to the table we do need to get you still got those nice cubes even. i know i've only got to play uh once with them so oh, we goodness. i want to play with the nice cubes those are fun yeah. also i mean <laughs> i remember ryan asked me to help him play test and then he when he watched me play test it a little bit he asked how long it been since i played pipeline <laughs> so but uh but yeah that that new expansion that's coming out will really shake things up and that, the yes. cool thing about pipeline too you can make those numbers for the oil to refine you can make those variable so that you have a higher uh, number than somebody else does which can help offset your experience with the game too which is a nice variant to play with as well all right his number six is mombasa it's it's the best fister i am no. starting no, hands I, down oh, come I, I, am, on. I am starting to come around to to richie's idea of this being the best fister what I, I will tell you why. I think there is more interaction in this game all over it than there is in Great Western Trail. I think everything you do affects other players a little bit more in Mombasa, and I, I, I like that. Now, it doesn't play as well at all player counts as that is true. Great Western that, Trail That is does. one thing that does hamper it, keeps it from getting to the, to the table often, but... It, it's All right, best this would be way, way too long of a discussion to stop. So we obviously know Great Western Trail is <laughs> well, the best. It's like, your, but it's like your second or third. I, I understand, but <laughs> Great not, Western not is like still... far off I, I don't know about more player, but anyways, I digress. Let's read Tom's <laughs> list. Good pick, Tom. It's a great game. Great don't game. get me wrong. I, I love it. So, all right. Number four. <laughs> He's skipping five. <laughs> number four. Yeah, we're going to no. skip right on by no. number five. We'll talk about number we'll five. We'll talk about number five. Mars. All right. A lot of people like it. A lot of people like it. Here's the thing. I'm, I am actually still willing to play it again at two players. What? With someone... Because I, I still have not just played that two-player game. Right. I I've, think I've played at four and three, and those were way too long. I've played it at every player count, and I am... Still too long. Yeah. I, I actually I like the game. I think I just would recommend like the, playing it at three, just because two, you still have to do stuff, and it kind of goes back and forth. Three is yeah. really good, but play with the prelude. Yeah, I like the mechanism I, I of the game, but to, it's just too long for And me. I don't want to play with a rule that makes the game shorter because it was made wrong in the first place. That just makes no sense to me whatsoever. That'd be like saying, hey, let's play Great Western Trail and start halfway down the, the 
you know the the people chart just to make it faster. Yeah, I, I can I see just, that. I, I, see I don't. Okay. I mean, Anyways, we're definitely in the minority. So yeah, no, obviously. So Tom, Tom, I do you know believe what you're we talking about. We do so. have one listener who would uh, you know be upset that this is number five and not number one. So yeah, sure. Uh, another chat out there. So all right, moving on to number four. Clans of Caledonia. Oh, he's back Solid on game. track. All right. Great game. I'm liking this game more and more. I oh, really am. I, I love I, it. I, it suffered from just getting compared to Gaia Project, but uh, it has its own charms for sure. I, I love Gaia Project. I even enjoy somewhat Terra Mystica or used to, but I mean, I think Gaia certainly has replaced it. But for some reason, Clans of Caledonia is my favorite. I still just like that filling those contracts early on. That you get money for them, then they're free to get. Then they cost money. Then they cost more money. It's just so well done. Such a such a great design. Love it. Yeah, I, I love Clans. It, it definitely of those three. It's one that I think it just sticks in my head better. I don't know. I don't know if it's the theme or what, but it, it definitely the rules for it. And maybe it's because I can play it online. The rules for it have just stuck easier for me where every time i get guy out it's like the first half hour i'm like what am i doing and then i i've lost terribly yeah. but yeah i like I so do you, like you like putting out sheep and cows out on fields yeah. that's a little the theme works a little bit exactly. better for you i got you all right all right number three is brass either one brass yep, either one i can't argue with that yeah it's solid all right tom is coming in strong well yeah, we've, we've we, talked we so much game. about brass we yeah it's uh I, hey I, I wonder how many episodes it's been since we've talked about brass maybe I, maybe I Corey Ackland could uh go back and tell us how many episodes since we've <laughs> talked about brass all right number two on mars wow that is a fast riser for him there it the is. more i play that game the more i like it. and i was telling somebody else the reason that it's so neck and neck with lisboa which i consider his masterpiece is that you have so much more control over triggering the end game and how fast you play the game in fact even how you set the game up you can make it play faster than another sure, game based sure. on the goals and how you how you rush towards them it's I really like that. It's not the easiest to teach, but I really like that game. Hmm. I just recently got into trade. I'm excited to get back to the table. And yeah, it, it, it's definitely one of my favorite Lacertas. Okay. And finally, number one. Barrage. A very, very, very solid, solid game. Highest on Chad's list. Sure. I think it, it is might, definitely highest on Chad's. I think it is. It might be one of my favorite designs by the Italian contingent. And that's that's saying quite that's a bit. Saying a lot. That's yeah. saying it is a lot. saying a lot. I mean, obviously, I think Richie and I are, you know, not in that same camp, but I think we both still like the game. It's still yeah, it's a solid a, game. It's a solid game for yeah. sure. I will say it over and over again. This this will rocket even higher if they put out new water maps and mess around with that a little bit. I would be I really would excited. like to see that. Because it, it after a few plays it does seem a slightly samey. But yeah, it's you could easily fix it with new maps. Well, there you go, Tom. No, I was pretty solid list, yeah, I would list. say, guys. Yeah. List, Tom. To all our patrons, thank you very much. Uh, we enjoyed hanging out with you last week, too. And if you can't support the podcast that way, which is just fine, we enjoy you being a listener, reposting the episodes, talking us up out there, and giving us reviews. That's great. Thanks, everybody. Richie, tell everybody what we're drafting today. So we are drafting designers' first designs. And Chad tried to throw some extra rules in there, but 
If yeah. it's their first design, it's their first design, and <laughs> that's what we're going to go with. Wait, no. I I, kinda, I think that it should be, and uh, you know what? We'll let the listeners decide, because everybody will be able to decide these lists. But I really think if it's a one, I mean, now, when I say one hit wonder, I don't mean it derisively, because they've designed at least one more game than I could have ever designed. But if it is somebody who has only designed one game, I think that should disqualify them from being picked for their first game. That's just my feeling. I think that that's what makes it more interesting, but... Yeah, That's, I don't know either because, I mean, it's hard to design a game. Yeah. And if you design even one game, it is a, an amazing game. And I don't for, I mean, should, when I go and you look at some prominent designers, their first like five or six games are just hot garbage. Yeah. For the most part. Anybody so picking any Steffenfeld's Roma around here? <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, if you come out of the gate with a, a great game, I don't, yeah. even if that's your only game so far, I, yeah. I think that, you, that's your first design. Yeah. You might make but one in 15, 20 we'll, years. We'll, so we're gonna, yeah. we'll you know, put up a post in the in the guild. Yeah, well, right. we'll, we'll and everybody it, will be we'll able to choose with their everybody will be able to choose with their votes. Yeah, too. that's it. Sure, so. sure. Because you know what happens to the loser. Well, you lost last time. About right. Say. It means that <laughs> the winner gets to make up something outlandish and not true and have them say it. Now I've I've yet to be punished, so I don't know what it's like, but <laughs> it's it's Richie's a, like, I'm either I'm either first, first or, second. or second. That's all I gotta make sure to do. But now there, there is a good chance I might be last this one. <laughs> all right, Ooh, folks, you heard it. If you want to hear Richie say something ridiculous, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know what to do. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> all right, Richie, tell everybody how we draft here on Punchboard Paradise. So at Punchboard Paradise, we like unique lists. That's why we draft, and we are going to do a serpentine draft, which all that means is if you draft last in the first round, you're going to draft first in the second round. And we are going to roll for it. Whoever wins a roll will be setting the draft order. All right, here we go. Whoa, whoa. Five. Seven. Twenty. <laughs> That's a two. That's a two. <laughs> Twenty. Well, I will go first. I'll yeah, have give me second. Just, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you second. We get, we get I'm gonna Chad give you second. All right. Oh shut <laughs> up! And I'm gonna give Chad third. No, I think it's good, Chad. I think a swing is gonna be good for you. Swing it. is probably good. All right. For you. This was a little bit harder of a list to come up with, just simply because you don't you don't think about this with some of these people. So, um, but right away, I am going to take off the board. And now I can get some I can get some arguments out of this. But I'm saying first game, full game designed. Okay. Mm, I can already. And I'm going <laughs> to. Well, BS I mean, here. as opposed to like saying, like, if you did an Age of Steam map as an, right, you know, no, type right, of yeah, thing. Yeah, okay. You're just, you're flat out your first game. And right away, I'm going to pull Chad's favorite off the board. And I feel like this is, this is one of my favorite games still by him. So I'm going to take Vinos, the 2010 okay. by Vital Lacerda. I'm mad, but that's yeah. a good pick. That is a very good pick. Uh, the, that, that's what yeah. I was planning on taking because I'm surprised yeah. you didn't take. Go ahead. Just finish your thing, though. Well, you know, I certainly, and I imagine yeah, you're yeah, probably yeah. now going to take it. Um, yeah. But I thought it'd be fun to take it off of Chad. I didn't I know like if you it. would. So I was I, like, I, I want to like get, you know. Yep, I like so, but in all honesty, I mean, with the bank makes that game of Vinos. Yeah. And boy, if you've ever seen Cheth in a death spiral in that game, it is that that it's, made the game. That I is mean, the game. I, I loved it. So, yeah, <laughs> but great game. And uh, I mean, talk about hitting it out of the park with one of your first designs. And I know, Chad, you like, you know, more the Lisboas and the little bit laters. But for Richie and I think we both, you know, the Vinos and the Galleris, some of the early ones are more of our favorites, you know, and we really enjoy them. Oh, so. don't get me wrong. I mean, it, it is like 
it is like on Mars and Lisboa are neck and neck for the top, and then Venus is right under them. Oh, so right. I mean, there you go. It's a yep. great game. Yep. Yeah, I would have picked it. Yep. And I get the fanfare. I mean, when you look at his list of games, I mean, there's not there's not much there that you can complain <sighs> no, about. Yeah, even you know. even uh, and I so I am readily to uh, ready to explain it. I know that Escape Plan definitely isn't for everybody. I still enjoy it. At certain times when I pull it out, it is the whole package that I enjoy, and I will admit that. But even Escape Plan and like CO2, which I didn't really feel the need to keep, are still really great games. And that's like that yeah. encompasses his whole oeuvre. He is he is a solid, solid designer, makes some great games. And uh, yeah, so my number, my first pick is Vinos. Good pick. All right, Celebrate. Richie. So go ahead and take the other one that right. you know would have would have been my first pick, but I had to take it from Chad. Okay. Yeah, I get it. I get it. So I'm going to take uh, Madeira. So we got Nuno and Paulo. Yep. yep. And absolutely. And I didn't even realize that this was their first design. I didn't I either. Actually looked at the list. I didn't either. I when I went, I was like, wow, yeah, I was shocked. Yeah. Was very impressive to come out of the gate with Madeira. Yep. And yeah, <laughs> it is a fantastic game. I was so excited for the expansion, even though we may not get it for like another three years, but. I'm I'm Maybe. really I'm hoping for three years. <laughs> I'm really excited to get that to the table. Yeah, that's a that's a great pick. Well, I I am uh, I am really impressed that this one was it's just was their I first mean, one. Mind blowing to say, yeah. I mean, a first design to come up with that is I had, amazing. I had actually thought that uh, Panamax was their first one with Glenn Dory. I think it is, mm. uh, but uh, that was, it, a, year that was a year later. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep, so I was surprised on that too. Just, yeah. uh, but it it kind of feels like they were making a game that they took a lot of time with and were passionate about because it has a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it has a lot of wonderful stuff going on. So, All right, so that's know. my first pick, Madeira. All right. All right, Chad, swing. All right. I don't think you can argue when this is your first game. I mean, I think, honestly, if this is your first game and it's still as popular as it's ever been, I mean, that's, that's ridiculous. I, I'm going with Richard Garfield's Magic. You can't... I mean, you cannot dispute that. If that is your first game and it is still just as popular uh, as it was when he first brought it out, I mean, I, I would almost think that alone of all the games, and now Magic is not going to be my favorite off of everybody's list, but just on sheer prolific uh, quantity... The Magic has to has to be one of the best games on this first designer list. It's ridiculous. Uh, I got to agree with you. Wow, that's a yeah, great that's pick. A solid uh, pick. Well, not one that even came to mind, even since I uh, you know played professional Magic. I know I was shocked. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's a great pick. And my second pick. Now this designer had two games come out in the same year, and so because it's the same year, I still am going to count it. But I'm going to go with uh, Carl Chuddick's Glory to Rome, which are, is number one on a lot of people's lists. I still really love it, and uh, it, it's a great game. So I'm going to go with two card games back-to-back -back here and go with uh, Carl Chuddick's Glory to Rome. All right. Before I go back from sabbatical, that's on my list of games to get played. I, Let's I printed do that. Out, all right. I, pr mm. I printed out a copy, and it, I needed to get it set up and played. I, I played it not too long ago. Um, you know, Dan has a, has a copy of it. And it's, talk about a swingy game. I mean, that game is a swingy, swingy game. But I suppose if you go in knowing that that's what you're in for, then, you know, yeah. I mean, I, 
I don't dislike the game. I don't. I certainly wouldn't pay any hundred and eighty dollars for the black box or whatever some of these people play. Yeah, pay, that's but, expensive. Mm, that's crazy. But, all but, right. Well, you know, I mean, what do you really expect from a designer who basically says play testings for wussies? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, right. he, or no, I'm sorry. He said balancing was for for wussies because you know uh, it, gotcha. it it is it is crazy swingy. But the good thing is, you know. In, in those games that are swingy like that, you don't mind if they don't go too long. And this usually goes yeah. pretty quick. So, All right. Richie, what's your next one? The fact that uh, Clough brought up uh, Age of Steam maps, I think maybe he may have looked at this. But uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ted Ausbach in Suburbia. As far as his first design, it's, it's a game that I still love. Uh, I know Castles of Mad King Ludwig kind of took over, but that, I still prefer that system in Suburbia. I think it makes more sense as far as you're building out the city. I love how all the the powers on the tiles are retroactive as well, so you still have to go back and figure that all out. Uh, but it's a great game. It's a game that's still in my collection, uh, one that I pull out at least once a year uh, to get played. And, yeah, Suburbia. All right. I didn't even realize that that was his first yeah. game. Yeah. It, before that, it's all Age of Steam maps. All the, he just did the He's Age of Steam maps? A lot of Age of Steam maps, yeah. yeah. Wow. That's Some awesome. good ones there, too. All right, Clef, what do you got for your second pick? Okay, well, oh, with, with Chad's new stipulations, i got to be careful here. I don't want to, <laughs> you know. Um, but I know, I well, this they certainly have designed at least two games, one of which I absolutely think is amazing, which is their first design, and one that I'm not exactly a big fan of. Um, but I'm going to go with my second pick as Nations. I, who boy, Rustin and Nina Hackison for a first game out. Wow. I mean, I know they were really big fans of Through the Ages, and you know, this is kind of how this kind of developed into this. Unfortunately, then a few years later, they decided to make uh, Nations the Dice Game, which, uh, yeah. But anyways, the actual game Nations is a fantastic, somewhat of a civilization game, but it's more of a tactical back and forth card game with uh, just, you know, really good, solid uh, card play in it that I just love this game. I've, I've loved it. I've played it a ton of times. Uh, recently, I got Richie to play it again. And, you know, Richie now is, you know, said how amazing it is. I believe were your words. I picked. I just got it in a trade. There you go. See, all right. Uh, so that's my second pick is Nations. All right. So for my third pick, for, I'm going to go with one hit wonder. It's, it's uh, two designers, uh, Andre Spill and Rolf Sagal, and that is Wildcatters. <laughs> wow, for a first game that you bring out of the gate, Wildcatters is such a good game. It has some you know great area control gate great uh just resource management and oh the fun of sticking somebody with a loan is so much fun uh just just such a solid great game i just got to play this game finally and i really enjoy it uh i'm gonna say i'm i'm gonna object and call it pandering to the wildcatters fans and ben also Coberly, i got your <laughs> vote <laughs> and also say hey uh by the way uh, this is a this is a not stay, trying to stay within the stipulations as you previously stated. Uh, that you previously stated. <laughs> yeah. So we, I we heard those rules when we showed up after yeah, we already made our after list. After I already worked on it, so I don't care. I'm going my third pick, Wildcatters. Richie, back to you. All right, my third game, and I, I love card games, and uh, this is one of my favorites. One that I need to get back out to the table. It's been a while. Uh, but that is Fleet uh, from Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle. And they make a lot of card games uh, that I like, like uh, Pete Motts and Ladder 29. And with Fleet, it's a combination of a kind of like a deck builder slash auction game 
Uh, it's a fantastic game. It, it has a great uh, expansion that mixes up the different licenses or the yeah the different licenses that are basically like different powers that you can get uh, for the game. I don't even know if have either one of you played it, Fleet. No, I've, I've only played, played the dice roll, game. Yeah, the the roll and write yeah, dice. Yeah, dice game not so much. Ooh. But actually, the, the, the dice game, game is okay, but the rules are the, horrible. The card Ooh. game is better. Yeah, and, I'm sure and it's, it's much yeah, better. I would, it's I would got, rather play that. It's but. got the auction, so I think you guys would actually like it. And it's a pretty quick game. Okay, all right. I, mean, I actually thought the dice game hung around a little bit longer it was too long for too that long. dice yeah, game too many yeah. um, little fleet, rules yeah yeah but, fleet yeah. is perfect and I, I was impressed that that was their uh, first design my next pick is going to be from the italian contingent and i was surprised to learn that such a innovative game was a first game for this design team and so i'm going to go with uh, daniele tashini and zulkin uh, I was I was really shocked that this was their first design. The gears and the and the use of time as a resource is really great, and how you have to use planning. Obviously, we talked about it a little bit, and I've said that uh, the the expansion really opens things up for me. But man, what a great first game to have in your in your wheelhouse. That is my third pick. Daniela Tashini and Zulkin. Guys, I'm surprised you didn't pick this one. I looked up a couple of the Italians and it wasn't their first game. So I didn't, but I, I, I know I did not get to uh, yeah. Daniela's, but I just didn't get to it. I'll be flat out honest. Yeah. I mean, it's a great game. It's not one of my favorites, maybe. So maybe that's why I didn't, you know, go looking at it uh, like I did some of the other games that I went looking for to see if they were first designs and stuff like that. But no, great pick, though. I can't argue with it. All right. And for my last pick, my number four, uh, this is another design team that we don't always talk about. I was really excited to get a reprint of their game, and it just hasn't happened, unfortunately, because uh, the people that were supposed to re reprint it on Kickstarter, unfortunately, appear to have run away with everybody's money. But Andreas Odendahl, more affectionately known as Ode, and Michael Keller designed La Granja. And so that is one of my favorite games by far. I love the dice drafting in this one, but even better than the dice drafting are the, is the Chuddock-style multi-use cards and trying to use either the resources that come on a card or the card power and just having those agonizing decisions with slotting those into your tableau is a wonderful, wonderful part of this game. Amazing pick. I had it on my short list. I love this game too. It is definitely, um, it's it's actually a really good implementation on Board Game Arena too. Um, and, you know, I don't usually say that a lot about online games, but I'd rather play the live game 100% of the time, but great pick. That's my number four, La Granja. All right, I'm going to finish up with another card game and I apologize in advance for butchering this name. Uh, blame Google because I'm reading the pronunciation of the first name off there. And that's Susumi. Kawasaki, and that's R Eco, one of my favorite little card games. I bust out every once in a while. You can play it on Yukata, I believe. Um, I think I've played it with Clef. I'm not sure for. Yeah, we did. played it at yeah, Origins, we actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We played that with Connor and company. Yeah, that's right. And like I said, it's just a little small card game, but I love it. And he also did uh, Traders of Osaka, which is another card game I talk about uh, every once in a while. And if you are into those kind of small card games that have that, you know, kind of tight hand management, his games are right up your alley check that out if you have not already like i said that you can play it uh, for free on uh, yakata if you want to try it out and that is our eco clef what's your last pick i'm actually going to go with a game that's a, a little a game i don't think has probably ever been talked about on this podcast um and this designer 
certainly 100% fits the bill of this was their first game and they went on and have had some fairly good success, I would say. I mean, um, I believe they still have the number one game on Board Game Geek. And I'm going to go with Mr. Isaac Childress and Forge War. Have you guys ever gotten to play Forge War? I, I never got a chance to play it, no. Now, it's not a game that I don't, it's not even in my collection anymore, but it was one of a game that I had when early on in my, you know, board gaming world. And it was really had two different games in, in it where the second part of the game was all about going and buying your swords and, you know, getting your weapons and stuff. And then you went off and you've, you know, fought the, fought different things or whatever, which was fine. But it had this beginning or this uh, first part of the game where you were in the mines and you had like these, like a taskmaster who you had to move across. And as you moved across, that's how you got your resources. So it was instead of like a normal, like worker worker placement game where you had to go and put your meeple in different places. This was like you moved across and, but you could activate for if other people were in your way, you would also activate and give them resources. So you wanted to make sure to be trying to do the best of trying to get as many resources as you could, but yet you didn't want to give your opponents ones. And it was a very interesting thing. I, I very much enjoyed it for a first game out of the gate. I think it was very, very good. He obviously has made some other games that uh, other people like even better, but for a first game out of the, out of the gate, yeah. So uh, Forge War, definitely worth a play. I mean, I if I still own the game, I would tell you guys to play it. But I was not expecting that out of you. So yeah, you know, a little little you wrinkle at the end of your list, but that's okay. Yeah, a little wrinkle. You know, <laughs> he's man. going to games. Well, he, he's I was I was going to go Clans of Caledonia, but you know, it's one you know only uh, one yeah. game, green, so I was going to get yelled I at. Green that. Deal, I, Brussels, eighteen ninety three. That's you only have one. Done clans because Green Deal. So he made before Clans. Oh well, see there, I couldn't even done that one. Uh, what uh, Lignum? But once again, that's a one hit wonder. Josh is actually mad at you about Lignum. We talked about that the other day. True. Well, what? 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 I do? He keeps asking you to play, it and you won't play it. Oh, I'll play it. <laughs> I ain't no problem with that. I certainly uh, had had Pipeline on the on the short list. Yeah, that uh, was on great, my list too. You know, he's got some yeah other Curious stuff coming cargos out, but, yeah. out there. And mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I had uh, Phil Walker Harding Archaeology of the Card Game. I don't know if you guys have played that one, but it, oh, it, I have played Archaeology yeah, of the Card Game. Yeah, it's a little card game started, for especially like for the first design. Yeah. If I got in trouble, uh, I was going to do Francisco Rota. He Ooh. did Battle Sheep. That is fun to say, Francisco. Well, who knows? But what? Well, hold on. Battle Sheep. Have you not played Battle Sheep? I've not played Battle Sheep. It's a it's a fun little uh, abstract game. It looks like a kids game, but it's <laughs> extremely mean. Sounds like a kids game. Okay. <laughs> yes. If you look at it, it looks like a kids game. You can play this on. I think it's on BGA actually. Um, and it's just a a really mean abstract game where you can. I think you can play up to four players at a time but you can like cut someone out like turn one or two and completely knock them out of the game but solid little abstract strategy game okay i don't know well, much I, about i'd, I'd give it a shot yeah interesting if i'm not into sheep do they make a different version <laughs> no they don't okay. battle cows battle chickens <laughs> battle battle expansions. tuna melts yeah. <laughs> all right man a tuna melt sounds kind of good right now <laughs> Mm, not no. really. Oh, I love tuna, tuna melts. Oh, I love to. I used to be uh, Harvey's, uh, the casino that was around here. They had a restaurant, and they all the You're food was terrible. Tuna melts at a casino? Huh? Yeah, no, it was a little restaurant oh. like outside of the casino. Outside the casino, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. And oh that's my god, good. they had the best tuna melts. I mean, that's I would go there once, you know, once a week at least. This is back when I was playing poker professionally, so I was there all the time. And I'd go there, and oh my goodness, it was so just melted in your mouth. Oh, so good. You know, that's one thing you can't make in in food chain magnate. It's tuna melts. You can mm. make 
kimchi and noodles noodles yeah coffee burgers burgers pizza but no tuna melt well that's expansion number three maybe there maybe we go. make some tuna melts <laughs> would you have ketchup on it you put ketchup on your tuna melt no okay. no no ketchup on the tuna melt ketchup on the fries but not on the tuna melt see i don't even like ketchup anymore i just used to put it on stuff that my mom made that i didn't want to taste so now i have my daughter has well i didn't like ketchup before but my daughter has ruined ketchup just like Knox ruined guacamole she puts <laughs> it on literally everything the only way that we can get her to eat vegetables is if we also put ketchup on the plate and then she'll like eat baby carrots with ketchup it makes me sick every time i see it <laughs> wait though your son eats guacamole with everything he eats guacamole with a spoon so if you <laughs> wow if you just give him a little container of guacamole he'll just he wants a spoon he'll just eat it with a spoon and i've seen him put it away you know you know those like uh i think it's holy guacamole whatever the yeah the brand is those little individual containers yeah, i've seen yeah. him eat four of them in a sitting and it just makes me sick just will watching he, him wow eat it will he eat like does he only stick to one kind or would he like go to chipotle and be like yeah give me uh, no, that guacamole yeah. he doesn't it, any guacamole it's, it's, wow. if it's guac it's there yeah. wow. for he's like five right wow. yeah he's that's five but he's done that culture, since he was man. like two wow that's impressive it's disgusting <laughs> and I love guacamole, but I can't. I can't do it anymore. Well, there, there you go, uh, Punch Punch. You're having a little insight into the. Are we still recording? Yeah, sure. Into <laughs> <laughs> the world of. <laughs> well, Punch Punch, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we literally gave you some food for thought. Hope you enjoyed this one, and uh, take care of yourselves and each other. Yeah, and uh, go have a tuna melt. Everybody have a good night. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Punchboard Paradise would like to thank our loyal listeners as well as the publishers and designers that have provided review copies. You can find us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at Punchboarders. We are on Instagram at Punchboard Paradise and Facebook at Punchboard Paradise. Well, as my wife would put it, I've been playing a lot of penny games. <laughs> that That's coin games to the rest of us. Why are you looking at my bills? I'm sorry. I thought that this was <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't trying to be nosy. I was looking for the designer of what you're going to talk about. <laughs> Did you want to pay some? <laughs> no, I don't. I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to be nosy. I don't care. I was just, it was funny. Real quick, Richie, before you start on the mailbag, I want everybody to hear this is my eldest son right here who thinks he's really good at games, but he really learned everything from me, so he's really not. Mason, go ahead and say hi to everybody. Hello. Yeah, I'm not. Wow. I'm wow, not that, that, was, in at all. that was amazing right there. <laughs> he is as prolific as his old man. Woo! <laughs> Don't ask him to pronounce any words because he's probably. <laughs>